0: Hi, everybody. I'm Patrick McEnroe, and this is Holding Court. All right, time for another edition of Holding Court, everyone. And we're just continuing to dig deeper on this story with Peng Shui and the situation in China. There's obviously so many layers to this story, and we're going to keep uh, diving into them, sort of peeling the onion back as we move along. And I'm very, very happy to welcome to the show today Andrea Warden, who... Uh, knows a lot about China. She actually studied it a year or two after I graduated from Stanford. You got your MD in China studies. Then you went on to law school uh, as well. So you're a lawyer, Andrea. You're a human rights advocate. You've been working uh, on issues related to China for pretty much your whole career. And what I even love even more, as we were just discussing before we came on, you actually played tennis when you lived in China for a couple of years. Welcome to the show. And tell me a little bit about your tennis game first, before we get into the politics, Andrea. <laughs> All
1: right. Patrick, thank you so much for having me on your podcast. It's just uh, wonderful to um, chat with you. And I so appreciate the attention that you are giving. This is very important. Case of of Peng Shui, um, your guests have been fantastic, and it's it's great to have her continue to be sort of in the in her sort of front and sort of front and center, right, um, in the in the limelight through your through your work. So I very much appreciate that. Right. So my tennis game, I played uh, I played tennis. I played varsity in, during high school. I went to
2: tennis camps
1: many many years uh, as I was growing up. And then I played actually a semester of college tennis. I went to Yale. Right. And then, um, right, then after college, uh, I went to um, China. I had majored in history and East Asian studies, and I also had studied Chinese. Um, and I ended up in China, um, I was there for, uh, from early 1987 through the June 4th massacre mm. in Vietnam, around Tiananmen Square uh, in 1989. And so, so, basically, I was teaching English, and I but I also had a lot of free time. So I was playing, tacked down the local tennis crowd, and I came, became friends with them. And so it was just, I had some great experiences playing tennis, which actually culminated in my um, becoming the um, the singles champion, the women's singles champion. Wow. In the fall of 1987, uh-huh. that sounds that sounds more impressive than it actually is because. <laughs> Like about six women at the time play tennis, you know. So, um, so it was a very, er- it was very early, mm. in, the, in the sort of in the world of tennis, um, in uh, in China. But there was was definitely growing interest. Um, and then one thing about where you know I was living in, in Changsha, Hunan, and there's a connection here with Peng Shui, So Peng Shui is from Hunan. Right. So. Uh, our paths never crossed because I uh, you know I was there Yeah, I was there in 1987 and she was born in 1987.
2: yeah and it
0: was re- and it was really the 1988 Olympics um, in Seoul when tennis became you know was back in the Olympics 84 it was sort of a test sport and then 88 it became a metal sport again and that really um, sort of was the birth I think Andrea of tennis becoming as big as it's become within China. And obviously, as you said, you, were you the six other ladies you were playing with, were they all Chinese?
1: Yes. Yeah. But it was, yeah, it was a small group. So, right. So I, right. When I say
2: I was like single champion, I
1: kind of say that um, tongue in cheek, but they were certainly avid. And then I I, I, I actually had an opportunity to go back to Changsha um, to visit friends and, uh, and former students and also to see my tennis buddies. And it, it was maybe be two or three years later. So, um, this would have been then after the, you know, the, the Olympics and, and China's sort of been putting a lot of money into the sport, and my friends were so excited about the new stadium that had been built. Right. Um, and, oh, you've got to come with us and we've got to play on these new courts, because in 1987, the courts were like, they had like chickens running around. The <laughs> oh my like, goodness. There were, wow. There were, there were cracks, but they weren't well-maintained, but there was such a like, you know, like tennis fever I went back to China in like 1991, 92.
0: So that was exciting to see. Yeah. Well, I, I got to ask you uh, as we get into the Peng Shuai story, and I want to yeah. I want to get a breakdown at some point of your tennis game as well, Andrea, and maybe when okay. uh, you visit New York, I can check you out. You can come to our tennis academy. And uh, that's my thank you for coming on my podcast, by the way, because you have been in front of, of all issues related to human rights in China. So when you first heard about the Peng Shuai story and the situation what was your first reaction
1: oh um well wow good question um very concerned like in the sense of like this is not going to end well for her but also very um inspired by the fact that she spoke out and she's not a dissident right but she felt very strongly that she needed to go public these accusations against a very very powerful uh member of the Chinese Communist Party former official um and so I I really admired her in that regard right um so uh but as a human rights activist yeah I've been kind of doing this for quite a while I was like uh oh (laughs) you know yeah so that was my initial reaction
0: and, and and I know you've written um, since this is all uh, transpired as things have transpired in the last six seven weeks specifically about your reaction um, their reaction I should say from the IOC from the International Olympic Committee Uh you, since you've listened to a couple of my podcasts, as you told me, you know how I feel about it. I'm just absolutely disgusted by the, the the public statements and these supposed videos and all that. What What's your take on how they have handled it up until this point?
1: So I would agree with your assessment. It's just reprehensible, their behavior. and Although it's not surprising because the IOC and the Chinese Communist Party have a long history of a – close mutually beneficial relationships and Thomas Bach and Xi Jinping in particular are quite close. As I think, you know, also the, the, the official um, that she uh, alleged had sexually assaulted her, Zhang Gali was also very important in in sort of supervising the, um, the bidding process for the, in the, you know, around for getting forgetting for the, the
0: games to China for 2022,
1: yes, right? Yeah. Exactly. Right. So anyway, so I think that, so, so they are, um, they are totally intertwined, the CCP and mm-hmm. the IOC, and uh, so I wasn't surprised, but I, in a way I was sort of shocked, in the sense that like I was kind of like, okay, who is giving, who who's the PR firm, you know, for the IOC? <laughs> like right, right, like this was ridiculous, and and like this was not going to look, obviously it was not going to look good for um, for Thomas Bach and the IOC. Right. But then I thought, okay, well actually the only people that they're listening to really are the Chinese Communist Party. And interestingly, the, the Chinese Olympic Committee um, opened an office in Lausanne in like I think December 2018. And apparently it's one of the it's very unusual for a national Olympic committee to actually have an office in Lausanne. So there's there's just a lot of you know, a very close relationship Right, so between um, the Chinese government the Communist Party, the IOC, Thomas Bach, it's all sort of intertwined. Um, yeah, and, and also Xinhua and IOC media. So, this, so basically, it's like you know, I can imagine Xi Jinping saying, hey, Thomas Bach, you know, can you give me a hand here, like a little, a little assist? Mm-hmm. You know, and he just played right into it, right? So, so absolutely complicit um, and, and just shocking, right? So, you know, right, just horrible to be part of this. And then to then continue to be part of this, like, cover-up and, and the CCP propaganda ploy, it, 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 it's horrible, and it, of course it also then exposes just how incredibly hypocritical the IOC is, because they have all this, you know, this wonderful rhetoric about, you know, human rights, and universal, you know, universal values, and the, you know, importance of sport for humanity, et cetera, et cetera, and, you know, they just are essentially helping the Communist Party, um, you know, quash these allegations, and, um, yeah, so, anyway. so, so not 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 happy, but but certainly not at all actually
0: surprised. Not surprising, but I guess it. You know, for for those of us that you know, we assume you know uh, that there's obviously connection between um, not just the Chinese Party uh, and the Olympics, the IOC, but you know the U.S. Olympic Committee or any you know any big country. You assume there's this connection, but I guess when it was it was it, this came out, like you said, you weren't surprised, but all of a sudden you see it and you're like. Are they kidding? I mean, do they actually, do they actually, I mean, does this guy actually think they had one of the former members on? I think it was a Canadian guy. And you're, and I'm watching this and I'm like, I mean, is this for real? I mean, I can't even believe that he's saying these things like, oh, well, you know, we had four ex athletes talk to Peng Shui on the video and the ex athletes, they know about competition and, you know, being in tough. I'm like, what in the? world does this right. have to do with anything you know like that I was a former professional tennis player or uh you know that all of a sudden like I would be knowledgeable talking to someone in this type of situation <laughs> is the most asinine thing I've ever heard and he was saying it like like that was like routine
1: right oh yeah no I agree I mean his, his various interviews I think mean, it's it's Dick, six it's pounds you know his, his interviews have just been outrageous you know and and I, at first I was like, is, is he really just kind of losing it? Or does he actually believe this? Is he sort of, does he have some sort of mental health issue? Like, what is going on? And I just think they really are totally embedded, the CCP and and the IOC, in a, in a way that is not um, sort of, that no other uh, National Olympic Committee mm. or ruling party or government is. We I mean, certainly, right, we would expect, you know, um, praise from the IOC, you know, for any country, right, that's hosting the right. right, together, and and so that's sort of expected. But if you look at um, the sort of various um, statements from Thomas Bach over the past few years, and then even before that, you know, and from Jacques Rogue 2008, this goes above and beyond right, anything that you would see, for example, from like a Western country or from you know, like South like take South Korea and the 2018 Winter Olympics, right? So, so there's something. Here and it's a, actually absolutely something worth investigating. Like, what is going on with the ISC?
0: All right, so Andrea Warden is joining me here on Holding Court, and uh, she's a lawyer, she's a human rights advocate, she's an educator as well, has been for many years in her incredible career, and she focuses on China and the hu- UN human rights system. So when you look at um, how this is unfolding, and, and let's stick with the Olympics just for the moment, because I know you wrote an art a piece on this on China change.com. Um, uh, mm-hmm. You where do you, you know, you summarize a little bit for the audience sort of what you talked about in that article? Sure,
1: so it- uh, an article that I wrote um, in April of this year, and I was essentially it was sort of an early call for uh, right respecting countries to engage in a diplomatic boycott. Um, and the reason that this I felt, and, and others too at the time, people felt was quite important, was that you know these, these Olympics basically glorify Xi Jinping, they give him legitimacy, and they are essentially when when diplomats come and you know. Present there for the opening ceremony, they are they become part of the propaganda spectacle, and they are essentially giving their imprimatur to what what's being said, what's being shown, Xi Jinping's policies, et cetera, et cetera. So, and of course, your listeners know, um, you know, there are just a tremendous number of, of human rights abuses happening like daily, incredibly severe um, in China. Not to you know. Of course, many people have rightly so on their minds the, the genocide uh, in uh, Xinjiang the against the Uyghurs. Right. There's that. There's also Tibet. There's Hong Kong that you know Daryl Morey had tweeted about. I think mm-hmm. one of your previous the best of that, right? You know, so it is just a slew of issues within the human rights lawyers in China just being you know, just like locked up. You know, you know, essentially disappeared. Your guest Peter Dolan also talked about that, right? the use of disappearance. I mean, the list goes on and on. We don't have – I wouldn't have enough time on your podcast to go on and on. But, but to, to, I mean, to, to sort of go through the whole list, right? But basically, I was, I was sort of uh, – the main point was that we, we really can't be – we shouldn't be complicit
0: mm-hmm. in
1: um, sort of legitimizing these games.
0: So basically, you think the diplomatic boycott, which has already been announced by the U.S. and and lots of our country, uh, other countries have followed suit, is the way to go? You're not calling for an overall like an athlete athletes boycotting the games, right?
1: Right, correct. Because I absolutely do not. I mean, the athletes should not be penalized for the human rights abuses of the Chinese you know, the right. Chinese government is right is right, committing, or for the IOC's like you know, ridiculous decision making process around who gets to host the games, right? So so I and I really feel for the athletes because you know they are absolutely second in the middle. You know, I'm sure I'm sure many of them are very concerned about what's happening in China. But they, you know, but they are they're you know they're professionals. And of course the Olympics is like the biggest thing, right? Some of them this is gonna be their, you know, their perhaps their one and only shot or their last shot. Right. Um, and they should be deprived of that. Right. So and I'm I personally like I'm like, like a huge uh, winter sports fan, and I'm a former ski instructor, so I feel very strong. This huge fan of Taylor Swift, and I feel really strongly about this.
0: You got, you got, um, you but, got the, you got the summer sport in tennis, and then you yes. got the winter sport in skiing. <laughs> I, I knew there's a reason why I needed to have you on, Andrea, right. other than your your expertise in China
1: Oh well, okay. well, thank you. Yeah, no, I have, yeah, huge fan of sports. Like, so hey, I did want to. Know, oh, oh, sorry.
0: No, yeah. go ahead. Finish, please.
1: Oh, okay, right. So, um, so but I do are other things that we can do, right? So I should be mindful of the time. Yeah, so you've asked some of your other, um, your other guests, well, I mean, there are other things that can be done and probably will be done. Um, well, first, I imagine some of the athletes will, will find a way to, um, to express their, um, you know, their, sort of, uh, their views on, on what's happening in terms of you know, various issues. In China, it might be subtle. Like, for example, there's a, um, for the Me Too movement, um, there's there's a symbol. So in Chinese, me too. Uh, so M E T O O. The Chinese characters are like rice. The character for rice is me, and the character for bunny is two.
2: So okay. there are all
1: kinds of like huh. like memes and images combining like rice and bunny, you know, right? Like as a symbol for the me too you know, the me too movement, right? So I can imagine the snowboarder like painting that on the field. You know, the bottom of her snowboard, for right. example, or, or, or athletes, you know, wearing various heads of pins, perhaps also speaking out, um, and I think that the National Olympic Committee should absolutely be encouraged, you know, I mean, should be, you should not be um, censoring their athletes, but it's also very important to the National Olympic Committee to, to be, um, to be telling the athletes the various, the various risks that they face, mm.
0: you know, well, I remember going to the Olympics uh, as a coach for the team, uh, the tennis team, the men's team in Athens, and I remember sort of being, you know, in with all the, the, the team and the staff being sort of, you know, given, re, re, not read the Riot Act, but read sort of, well, you know, it's, it's the Olympics, you're not supposed to make any political statements, you know, that whole thing. So we'll see, as you yeah. said, rightly say, like what, how the athletes kind of handle that and, and see, who's got the courage to um, to step up and, and and make some sort of public statement. Now, I want to get back to Peng Shui because, yeah, uh, you know, you said to me initially when you saw this that you were extremely concerned. And, yeah. of course, those of us in the tennis world that, that know her, as I do, I've, you've heard my podcast, you know that she was on the same team tennis team yeah. with me. I, I, I'm not going to say I'm great friends with her, but I, I know her. She was a, always a very friendly person around the tour, always smiling, always laughing, just a wonderful personality. So we're concerned about her. How concerned are you right now about her overall well-being?
1: Very concerned. She uh, is clearly being used as a part of the, you know, propaganda campaign, Right. Um, she obviously is not free to speak, and her movements are clearly controlled. She sort of appears when the the Chinese government needs her to appear for various these various performances, right? These so-called video these video calls, nobody's seen the footage of these video calls, right? But she just shows up, right? I mean, and so as Peter, Don, did, and and, and did a nice job explaining. I mean, she yeah, she's not free. She's being controlled, and um, you know, she has no, like essentially no free will at this point. She is, um, her, you know, her movements are, 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 controlled. She certainly doesn't have access to a lawyer, right? If she did, we would have heard from him or her by now. And I, the one thing that I would say, um, about of um, possible, uh, you know, I might sort of disagree with Peter on, uh, in, uh, in one aspect, we don't know that she is physically safe.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, as Peter had sort of suggested that, uh, you know, and, you know, I think, felt very confident that she was. My take is that she could easily be, like, for example, being sexually abused, you know, a, in a way that, like, doesn't leave any marks or scars, you know, physically, right? We just don't know because she's not, she's in touch with nobody. And so, you know, sort of the legal term for that is, you know, she's being held incommunicado. In she can't, you know, is she talking to her family? Is she talking to her friends? She's certainly not able to talk to Steve Simon of the WTA, right? So I'm, i so I'm, I'm concerned, and, and I know that we're probably running out short on time, but I did want to make one point um, that I think is important for your, I think that your listeners perhaps would be quite interested in, right, is that um, a couple of times Thomas Bach has mentioned this, oh, you know, like, we're going to, I'd love to have dinner with you right. when I arrive, right, when I arrive in Beijing in you know, late January, early February, we'll bring like, these other IOC people, right, we'll have this, like, nice dinner. Mm. He said it's quite that dinner is going to be like the grand finale of this um, of this show, mm-hmm. right? So and so and it will be videotaped. It will be aired. One question is like, will NBC, be, mm. you know, right? Will they be covering this? Like, oh look, you know, like a snippet of the you know the dinner where you know Peng Shuai is acting like everything is perfectly fine. We don't hear from her actually, you know, her actual like, okay, this is what's really going on, folks. Or like, you know, it'll be completely scripted and staged. And, and then after that, right? What happens? So my concern is that is it you know the um, after that the sort of grand finale of this box dinner and who else who who knows who else will be part of this, right? That, um, that she is just going to really po- possibly disappear. And, and I think that the Chinese Communist Party is hoping that the world will, will kind of forget about her after the Olympics.
0: Interesting. Right? So, and, yeah. Wow, it's like, so interesting. Very interesting nope. twist. And you know, you bring up something about NBC broadcasted, of course, in the United States. Will they, yeah. how will they handle it?
1: Right. Yeah. And then, and then one final point. And again, I'm sorry. I, I,
0: I, no, you can keep time. going. This is fascinating. I mean, you can, listen, I told you earlier, Andrea, this is my podcast, so we can do whatever we yeah. want. Okay. We can stay right. on. And this right. is fascinating. So please take your time.
1: Okay. Thank you. I, yeah, no, I really appreciate that. Because I think there is, I you mentioned in your in your opening, there's so many layers to this, um, and you know, so much of it also is a show, and you know, we're, of course, not hearing from her directly, right? So, so basically, um, right. So there's the, you know, NBC, you know, right, complicit, right? I mean, if it, you know, even just you know, broadcasting any of this. Oh, for example, I think I mentioned this in my um, in my piece for China Change. So we we can totally expect that there will be some you know, in terms of the opening ceremony, of course, China is just going to, you know, the Chinese government will put on an amazing show. You know, just like in 2008, right? And the word in the world was like, holy shit. Like, wow. Wow, right? yeah,
0: they can, they can, that that we know they can do. Absolutely.
1: Right, right, right. They can do that. Absolutely. And so, so, here, when we had, there is such, you know, repression, right, and, um, and you know, killing, torture, abuse, you know, the list goes on and on in, um, you know, in the Specifically, Tibet. Okay. Now, now Hong Kong, but also Xinjiang, in Xinjiang. Right. So, so we should we should be expecting, right, that there's they're going to be some Uyghurs um, and some Tibetans who are in their like sort of uh, you know constant you know, traditional clothes or whatever you know on you know on skates or, or you know just basically um smiling happy like oh, the happy ethnic minorities kind of thing. Right. Like we should it was, like, to totally expect that that's going to be part of. And she's been painting grand plans for like ethnic unity and solidarity and the collective consciousness of like in China, like we're all one big happy family. That is going to be just sickening. And so does NBC want to be part of that, right? Is NBC going to be like showing that? Like you know, so so if I leave that. I'll just leave that there. and then finally, so I do want to mention. Okay, is to the Um Is it is it so so after all of this, right? She has this. Dinner that's going to be the Chinese government and the IOC is going to sort of uh, show, you know, sort of demonstrate or use to demonstrate, like, oh, she's completely fine. People need to stop worrying about her. She's free. Whatever. She can do whatever she wants. So we know that's not the case. So if she she remains in China, which is very likely, she will continue to be controlled and used. Like, she'll be prodded out, maybe occasionally for a tennis thing or whatever. But she will be free. Like for example, I think, yeah. you and I, So there's another thing too, right? She has not. And maybe correct me if I'm wrong. I don't think that she announced retirement, right?
0: No, she has not. You, I mean, she hasn't played for a while. I believe she was injured, and so she didn't hasn't right. played actually since I believe before the pandemic hit. So that's you know about two years ago, and she is you know, she's right. in her mid 30s. So, right. uh, she's had a great career, obviously was great doubles player, top 15. She got to in singles, so an excellent career, but I believe she had some injuries. Um, but, uh, what do you think? You think they're going to use this oh, as a way to say she's like now retired?
1: Yes. Right. I, that exactly. So that's my thought, right. Is that they would sort of, they would essentially like the CCP, the Chinese Communist Party, officials so will say, oh, you know, they will retire her effectively. Right. So, I mean, this is like, you know. This is what I'm thinking. I don't know. We're, there's so little that we actually know, right, about what's going on. But that would be convenient, right? As you said, injuries, you know, she's in her mid-30s, et cetera. So, so that way she gets, you know, sort of off of or out of the, sort of the world of international tennis and competition, right? So if you think about it, if, if she were able to, if she continued to compete, so let's say if she, I mean, it's obviously too late now, but if you were, were going to go, you know, compete at, like, let's say the Australian Open, Certainly her mind, you know, the CCP uh, minders, you know, be all over, her. like she would not be, you know, free there. You know, maybe she could play tennis, but even so, you know, they, they would be very concerned about, like, the fans, the crowds, like banners. Like, hey, mm. you know,
2: like, like, like,
1: we support you punk right? Like, and, and the Chinese government can't control that, like, in Australia, right? Right. So, um... So, so anyway, so they they don't want to you know create a situation where that happens or like an Australian journalist like hey Pansy can I have a word with you right so so they, I think they're going to remove her from the world of, of tennis and then um and then if they do though so so she she's in China she's going to be controlled and monitored she, her all of her you know internet accounts are shut down like she, she's isolated um, and so then, but then like let's say they let her out any of thinking to. Trying right, to think strategically, like they let her out. Oh, you know, we're going to let her go to U- the U.S. to recover for, from her tennis injuries, or you know, see, or rehab, or whatever. Let's say she manages to leave China. Even then, she will still be controlled because you know there are family members. She'll have family
2: members in China,
1: and the, the threats will be there. Like it, you know, Peng Chui, if you speak out in the U.S. or whatever country you might end up in, your family here will suffer. Mm. That is, is an increasing, tact, increasingly uh, kind of used tactic by the Communist Party. It's that there's actually a term for it, not just China, but also Russia and other authoritarian countries. It's called transnational repression.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And, and so, for example, the, the, the Uyghur Human Rights Project just issued a report called, you know, it's quote, "Your family will suffer." How China is hacking, surveilling, and intimidating Uyghurs in liberal democracies. You know, so, so, so she will she's not going to be free even abroad. so I, I was thinking about you know, what what are the possible outcomes for her? I just it got really depressed.,
0: mm, yeah, I'm getting depressed listening to it because okay. it doesn't it doesn't no I mean seriously, it's like a it's it because you know this is sort of this story unfortunately is sort of dying down a little bit, so I get the sense that. Um, You know, the mainstream media who, you know, call me uh, periodically when, you know, there's some sort of story in tennis that's more than just tennis. Um, You know, those calls aren't coming, you know, forget about me, but even to others, you know, in the tennis world. Um, So that's depressing to me, and that's part of the reason why I continue to get people like you to come on and talk about it that really get it and really understand. In fact, Yashui Sao, who uh, runs the ChinaChange.com, she's the one that told me about you, that I should talk to you. And uh, she said something to me that's still haunting me to this moment, which was a couple weeks ago which was you will? there is no chance, she said on my podcast a couple of weeks ago, there's no chance you will hear from any other athlete from China. Yeah. And, you yeah. know, she's 100% right. And so, you, you know, yeah. she's right, and now I'm worried that you're going to be right.
1: <laughs> yeah, sorry, I, I didn't laugh. No, this is, this is horrible. I mean, I guess one thing maybe just perhaps for the tennis world, and it's been so great, by the way, I did want to just say how great, you know, the WTA has been, Steve Simon. And all of the tennis players um, who have spoken out on her behalf, I mean, that's just so refreshing, right? Like, I mean, just amazing. So, But it's, it's going to be up to the tennis world perhaps to figure out how to, you know, really actually how to help her after the Olympics. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, maybe invite her to some sort of, you know, invitational or whatever in order to eat you know, eat
0: Keep the pressure on, basically. You know, say yes. they should, the Australian Open should invite her to come to the Australian Open, for example. And then yes. if she doesn't come to that, the BNP Paribas Open, which is in California in, in uh, March, they should invite her to that. And then they should invite her to the French Open. You know, so um, yes. you, you're right, Andre. And it has been, uh, you know, I've been proud to be part of the tennis community to see current players speaking out, uh, ex players, you know, big names like Chris Everett, Martina, yes. Billie Jean when- King. Uh, obviously you have done so much for, for women's sports and uh, uh, all over the world. So, you know, we're going to keep doing our part. Um, I, Thank you. you know, I, I hope the men's tour goes along with the women's tour, which they've yet to do. As far yeah. as saying we're not going to play in China, so I'm disappointed thus far. And they have actually less at stake in a lot of ways financially than the women's tour because the women's mm-hmm. tour has, you know, I believe it's ten or eleven events there, whereas the men's have mm. has a couple. Um, so I'm I'm very you know proud of what Steve Simon and the women's tour in general has done. It sounds like you are as well.
1: Yes, absolutely. Yep.
0: Well, listen, uh, I appreciate you staying on uh, for as long as we did. This is fascinating, and I hope you'll stay in touch with me. I know we'll stay in touch and uh, continue to follow great. this, because if we don't do it at the moment, it looks like nobody else will.
1: Yes, exactly. Thank you so much for your attention on the issue. And like, Yeah, really great. Thank you
0: andrea warden everyone on holding court and at some point andrea i'm gonna to have to break down that tennis game of yours okay that'll be
1: oh i would i would love that
0: <laughs> well that well next time awesome. you next time you come to new york you come to our tennis academy we'll make it happen
1: oh thank you that's awesome thank
0: you you got it thanks for coming on
2: holding court with patrick McEnroe is powered by mudhouse media